MSW Media. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. a glass, sit for a spill, it's time to have some fun, let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking, but this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show, friends. This episode, which we have dubbed Bantering About Bars Bonanza. That's right. And that's just what I'm going to be doing. Uh, coming up in a little bit, I'm going to give you a list of seven legendary bars that ought to be on your bucket list. If you're a drinker, a serious drinker, somebody with ambition, with moxie, gumption, you're going to want to visit these bars before you... Uh, Shuffle off this mortal coil. So we'll be we'll be going there in a while. But uh, first, and my mother doesn't like when I say this, but bars and churches are basically the same thing. You get gussied up before you go. You say hi to the people you like and avoid the ones you don't. Occasionally, you make eyes at someone you'd like to get to know better. And then later, there's singing and preaching, hand shaking, hand wringing, eating, drinking. And of course, scandalous confessions. And there's always a couple of drunk priests hanging around too. I have to admit, I prefer the fall-down joints to the kneel-down ones any day of the week and twice on Sundays, which is why I'm going to hell. I'm not worried. Pretty sure hell has Amazon Prime, right? And also because I've already checked off every one of my spiritual goals in this life. Well, all right, all except one. Whether you're a fellow stiff-necked sot bound for Satan Town or a holy roller who only drinks on the Lord's Day, I'm here to help you, friends. There are precisely 10 things you must do in a bar before your last, last call. And here they are. First, have sex in the bathroom. That won't be comfortable, safe, or sanitary. And there's a chance you'll be arrested. But what bar bathroom boinking lacks in creature comfort, it makes up for in sheer body boldness. And the bonus here, no cleanup or cuddling. All right, all right, all right. The second thing you got to do in a bar someday is punch a guy. Now, for the record, I'm not personally advocating you randomly punch some guy in a bar. That would be irresponsible of me and you. I would never, ever ever suggest you commit any acts of violence against another individual that could possibly be traced back to me having suggested it. All I'm saying is if you spend enough time in bars, you'll inevitably cross paths with some butt trumpet who's really, really, really asking for it. You talking to me? I mean like hitting on your lady, insulting your mother, making light of the fact that the third wide receiver on your fantasy football team just dropped an easy touchdown level asking for it. And that happens. It's only reasonable to be tempted to haul off and plant said butt trumpet on his giant trumpet of a butt. If you were to 
give in to that temptation and actually launch a devastating haymaker, totally of your own accord, without any encouragement from me or the proprietors of this podcast network, naturally. I imagine it feel pretty goddamn good. In fact, you'd be legend. Again, only if you were to do such a thing, which you totally shouldn't. All right, yeah, of course. Got something in my eye, I guess. I'm winking here. Third thing is make a lifelong friend. You know where Ernest Hemingway first met F. Scott Fitzgerald? In a bar. Norm Peterson and Cliff Clavin, bar. Rick and Ilsa, Falstaff and Prince Hal, John, the waitress, and Davy, who's still in the Navy, movie bar, play bar, Billy Joel bar. The point is, that stranger propped up next to you on the bar stool could very well be your BFF in waiting. The only way to find out, strike up a conversation. Of course, Jeffrey Dahmer made lots of friends in bars too, which brings us to number four, eat something disgusting. For years, you've been eyeing up that soul gray egg macerating in the brackish goop inside that ancient pickle jar behind the bar, haven't you? You know what I'm talking about. It's not the first time you've wondered what it'd be like to sink your teeth into that slimy, sour, squishy, saliferous, scum-filled orb. It's clearly not going to be appetizing. But this isn't about dining pleasure. This is about willpower. It's about winning. See, most people never even notice that egg in the jar behind the bar. And the few that do see it, treat it like an odd relic from a bygone era. But you see something they don't. You see that if thou gaze long into a pickled egg, the pickled egg gazes also into thee. In the time it's been lolling there without a care in the world, unmolested and untouched, you've lost three jobs, a dog and most of your hair. You've gotten divorced twice, been estranged from your children, and held up at gunpoint in the parking lot at Macy's. You've been audited, evicted, and afflicted with shingles. None of your favorite clothes fit anymore. Your loser girlfriend is cheating on you, and you need glasses. The egg has had a ringside seat for all of this misery, and it has remained altogether unmoved. Question is, tough guy, what are you going to do about it? Say hello to my little friend! Number five, I think. Five? Were you five? I think it's five. Number five thing you got to do in a bar is commandeer the jukebox. Back in the day, us olds used to make mixtapes. Today, it's Pando Spotty 2 playlists, but how good are they really? There's no better place to find out than a crowded bar. You owe it to yourself at least once to go put way too much money into the jukebox and program a good, solid couple of hours into that thing. Got songs ahead of you? No problem. You hit play now for each and every number. Sure, it's going to cost you a shitload of money, probably like a week's pay, but it beats having some jumped-up One Direction fan shaming your game. Maybe you came straight out of the gate with some Taylor, Swift and James, double feature. Then hit him with some Bon Jovi and the Beebs. Then bring it down ever so slightly, Gangster's Paradise and some Glen Fry Eagles. And then boom, tear the roof off the sucker with a Parliament banger into some early Little Wayne. Unless, of course, you're in a Nightmare Fern bar, in which case just play Piano Man 30 times, followed by the Sid Vicious version of My Way. Oh, 
Number six, have a heart-to-heart with a bartender. It's been said that a good bartender is a therapist, preacher, philosopher, and best friend all rolled up into one. Like Lloyd, the bartender Jack Nicholson hangs out in in The Shining. Remember him? A little slow tonight, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is, Mr. Torrance. What will it be? Find your Lloyd. Treasure him. Next up, you're going to want to pretend to read a book. Sure, it's a pose, but as a wise, frosted, mulled man once said, image is everything. Note, however, that this move is deceptively difficult to pull off. Making sure your coolly detached, non-conformist act isn't perceived as an insufferable, turd-sacked act hinges upon three things. Number one, timing. Reading in bars is acceptable between the hours of 9 a.m. and 7.30 p.m., excluding lunchtime and happy hour. Cracking a book after 7.30 is a sign you're either trying way too hard or you're a serial killer. That's right, serial killer. It's never okay to read when a live band is playing. That's just rude. Unless they're doing 80s covers, in which case, throw your book at the lead singer's head and shout, I'm never going to give you up! Reading is also a no-no during spoken word performances. Not because it's rude, mind you, because you should have left a half hour ago. Number two, when pretending to read a book, bar type. Reading is acceptable at most pubs and speakeasies. In certain drinking establishments, it's strictly off-limits, though. These include sports bars, karaoke bars, leather bars, nightclubs, music venues, and TGI Fridays. Why TGI Fridays? Well, who's got time to read when there's an ultimate blueberry palm Long Island iced tea that needs drinking? Most cities have at least one spot called the library bar. Reading at the library bar is like donning black leather boots, buff breeches, and a hunting coat when drinking at the Fox and Hound. It means you went full turd sack. Never go full turd sack. Never. And finally, your reading material matters. Choice of book is the most important determinant of whether you're the man or the mook. Here are some examples of acceptable literary fare. Fundamentals of Poker by Mason Malmuth. That shows you're into athletics. Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. You're a foodie. Cujo by Stephen King. Shows you love dogs. The Long Walk by Stephen King. Shows you've got a sensitive side. Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. That shows you're also into dead dogs. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by the late great Douglas Adams. Well, that actually means you're probably a virgin. Cryptonomicon by Neil Stevenson. You're definitely a virgin. Oh, an American wino by Dan Dunn. You're a goddamn sex machine. Now, the following books should never, ever see the inside of a bar. Hollywood by Charles Bukowski. Look, if the laureate of American lowlife were alive to catch you flipping through this at the King Eddie, he'd punch you in the crotch himself. Also, the King James Bible. For the same reasons you don't bring a handle of beam to Sunday service. The Game by Neil Strauss. Unless, of course, you're reading it ironically, in which case, you're still a dick. The Art of the Deal by Donald Trump. Okay, now you're just being an asshole. Living Loaded by Dan Dunn. Your hobbies include living loaded and being extremely attractive. <laughs> All right, where are we at? Eight, nine, I think we're nine. Nine, eight, we're at eight. All right, number eight thing to do in the bar is drown your sorrows. 
therapy, support groups, pestering your friends and family, hysterical Facebook and Instagram posts. These are all valid ways to cope with serious emotional distress in the modern world, but if watching old westerns with my grandpa as a kid taught me anything, well, besides the fact that old people smell gross, it's that a perfectly valid way to quell inner pain is to hunker down an old saloon with copious amounts of rock gut whiskey. The event you can't find an old saloon or you can't stomach whiskey, any old place in poison will suffice so long as you're convincing when you growl, keep them coming. Bonus points if you're wearing chaps. Number nine, you gotta buy a round for the bar. You know how you keep saying you want to do something for charity? Well, here's your chance. Do it. And finally, you gotta pay tribute to a fallen friend. In fact, I'll raise a toast right now to my fallen friend, Mark Dent, whose birthday was a few days ago. Mark passed away six months ago. I love you, brother. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu to you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. Recently, we did a podcast all about tequila with Phil Rosenthal, host of the hit Netflix series Somebody Feed Phil and a man known for having great taste. Out of all the tequilas we tried, Nosotros Madera Tequila Añejo was Phil's clear favorite. Don't believe me? Here's a clip. And I think of everything we've tried today, we've been through them all. My winner today is Nosotros. That'll teach you not to believe me. Nosotros Tequila was founded by Costa Rican immigrant Carlos Soto and his partner, Michael Arbonis. In their first year, Nosotros Blanco won double gold and best tequila at the top spirits competition in the world, the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Nosotros Madera Tequila Añejo is aged in white oak barrels for 21 months. It's certified 100% additive-free, so all of the incredible flavors are from their signature blend of Highland and Lowland Agave and their distilling aging process. You can find Osotro's signature black and white label, look for the toucan, at all liquor stores or online at nosotrostequila.com. I love Nosotros. Phil Rosenthal loves Nosotros. So what are you waiting for? Get in on the love. Get yourself some Nosotros and get it now. Fall is here, my friends. You know what that means. Time to fall for some fresh Victor. Fresh Victor. You know, you've heard me talk about it a million times on this show. You can buy the best spirits in the world, make craft cocktails at home. But if you use crappy mixers, you can get crappy drinks. And that's why we here at What We're Drinking are all about Fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers. Bring the magic of master mixologists into your home. How do they do this? Because one of the guys that created it, H. Joseph Ehrman, my dear friend, is a master mixologist. He owns one of the best bars in the country, Elixir, up in San Francisco. So he brought all of his years and years of expertise in working with mixers into creating Fresh Victor. And what he created is a bunch of unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. All of their ingredients are fair trade sourced, no artificial anything. Mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with no waste. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a fall special exclusively 
for listeners of what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. You go to freshvictor.com, put a bunch of mixers in your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code FVDAN20, get 20% off your order. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market, and that's Fresh Victor. And now it's time for Drinking with Yoda. Hey, Yoda. Will you pass me that screwball peanut butter flavored whiskey? I'd like to try it. No. Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. Okay, fine. Can you pass me the bottle? I'd like to do a shot of it. You are reckless. I am not reckless. I'm just looking for a little adventure. A little excitement. Adventure. Excitement. Jedi craves not these things. Jedi? What are you talking about, man? I'm just a guy who hosts a booze podcast. Now come on, pass me that bottle. The boy has no patience. You will learn patience. Who the hell are you talking to? Much anger in him. Like his father. Look, Yoda, this is getting way too heavy. All I'm asking for is that you pass me that bottle of screwball peanut butter flavored whiskey so I can pour some in a glass and try some. Uh, Excuse me, I mean, do some. He'll finish what he begins. Of course I'll finish it. I mean, yeah, peanut butter whiskey sounds pretty awful, but hell, I'll try anything once. I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. Oh, Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I love that segment, the drinking with. We haven't done that in a while. We need to do more of those. Producer, make a note. More drinking with famous fictional uh, puppets. (laughs) We got to do that. So uh, as promised earlier, I got another, I got a list for you here. These are seven legendary bars that should be on your bucket list. If you are a traveler and a drinker and an adventurer and someone who wants to add meaningful experiences to your ledger, things you can look back on and say, yeah, I did that. Well, this is it right here. It's often said that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Now, while evidence out in the real world under the big yellow sun would suggest that's dubious sentiment at best, Inside the cozy confines of the venerated drinking establishments on my list of bars that have stood the test of time, well, that old saw is undeniable. It's as undeniable as the nights are long, though often not long enough. Friends, these great temples of tippling are places of poetry and adventure, of welcome ingenuousness and low-life majesty. Above all, they're a sure thing even in the most uncertain of times. First place up on the list is Bryant's Cocktail Lounge in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee's oldest and most outstanding palliative parlor has been at the general public service since the Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration. That's right. Around the time Bernie Sanders was 20, I think, then. It may well be. As Brandon Lieb once told me, Brandon's the co-founder of Premium Rub Label, he once told me, and he's from there, and he once said, Brian's, quote, the most unpretentious cocktail bar in the country, end quote. 
The dimly lit room is a Rat Pack era jewel box of preserved Middle American cocktail history. Now, from the vast fish tank behind the bar, yes, there's a fish tank behind the bar, to the killer throwback Macintosh sound system, a night at Bryant's is akin to being transported to another way cooler era. Jim Ryan, famous, renowned bartender and booze brand ambassador, once told me, I could happily die here. Stepping into this place reveals a time warp of the first caliber. That's Brian's Cocktail Lounge in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Next up, one of my favorite spots. I go every time I'm in New York City to the Nancy Whiskey Pub. Little's changed inside this revered watering hole since they started slinging drinks for Lower Manhattan's uh, working stiffs back in 1967. My buddy Ian O'Malley. Anybody in New York might know Ian. He was a longtime DJ at Q104.3 in New York. He told me, quote, there is no more real deal, ragged, good time neighborhood booze joint in the Big Apple than the Nancy, as the Nancy Whiskey Pub is affectionately referred to by the locals. The NWP is beloved for a host of reasons, not least among them, cheap drinks, no nonsense bartenders, and a wildly popular bank shot shuffleboard table. There's always someone posted up who could have gone pro at shuffleboard, like me, for instance. I'm very, very good at shuffleboard. I don't know if I've ever told you guys that. I'll take any of you on, any time. Bring it. My buddy Ian also added, it's the kind of place you go to for a couple of pops after work, then find yourself wandering out of it 4 a.m. with a shit-eating grin. So in other words, it's a genuine New York City pub. All right, next up, the Woody Creek Tavern in Woody Creek, Colorado. Now, with all due respect to the Polo Lounge in Beverly Hills and essentially every casino bar in Vegas, no drinking establishment on earth is more closely associated with the late, great reprobate, my old friend, Dr. Hunter S. Thompson. No place is more associated with him than the Woody Creek Tavern, which is just outside of Aspen, where Hunter lived, right up the road, a stretch. Uh, and he frequented the place from the day it opened in 1980 till his death in 2005. Now, don't let the bar's proximity to America's shishiest ski resort fool you. It's a down-home place. Now, it did go through a little uh, renovation recently that made it maybe not as down-home as it used to be, but still... It's down home. Curtis Robinson, who used to be the editor-in-chief of the Aspen Daily News, had this to say about the Woody Creek Tavern. He said, sure, Aspen's nearby, but the tavern is literally right next door to a trailer park. Hunter definitely preferred the trailer park vibe. And I concur with uh, Curtis Robinson. That is the truth. So check out the Woody Creek Tavern. It's up there. The American Southwest got some wonderful bucket list bars, but I think highest on my list or on my only one on my list is the buffet bar in Tucson, Arizona. As writer Henry Barajas observed a long time ago in the Tucson Weekly, the buffet bar, quote, smells like hot dogs and day old whiskey breath. Come on, that's awesome. Now, of course, not every review of the places is glowing, which is surely just fine by the regulars at this almost 90 year old Arizona landmark. 
little's changed at the buffet bar over the years because nobody wants it to change. They want it to stay the same. There are hot dogs in the crock pot every day, day that begins when the door opens at 6 a.m. Crowds made up of recent college grads. That's where the University of Arizona is, obviously, in Tucson. So recent college grads, old cranks, bikers, and assorted misfits. It's a place that has inspired many a heartwarming tale, such as the one I'm telling you right now. Uh, my buddy, University of Arizona alum and Emmy Award-winning investigative reporter Jason Oslander told me this about the buffet bar. He said, I was in there one night and a friend handed me a shot of what he said was a kamikaze. So I drank it down. Immediately, I knew it wasn't a kamikaze. Turns out it was the buffet's signature shot called Buffalo Sweat which they make by mopping up the bar and squeezing the rag into a shot glass. They top it off with a hot dog juice and serve it to unsuspecting suckers like me. God, I love that place. That's what Jason told me. And I've been there and I agree with him. It's, I'm, I'm never going to do that shot, or at least not wittingly. But uh, check it out. Buffet Bar, Tucson, Arizona. Jimmy Buffett died recently, as we know, and I got to tell you, Jimmy spent some time at this place, Captain Tony's Saloon in Key West, Florida. Besides Buffett, let's get this out of the way up front. Hemingway drank there too. For real. He was a regular at this national treasure back when it was called Sloppy Joe's Bar. It's still pretty sloppy. Adorably so. Money and undergarments are attacked to the walls and ceiling. There's a, a tree in the middle of the place in which pirates were purportedly hanged. It's the kind of place where you're going to definitely hear Jimmy Buffett music all the time. Like the ma the last mango in Paris. You know that one? It's a track about a dude by the name of Anthony Terracino, better known as Captain Tony. That's right. Jimmy Buffett wrote a song about it. Bill York, a friend of mine owns a craft bitters company, said it has all the atmosphere you'd expect of a quintessential dive bar. And, you know, a hanging tree. <laughs> They hung pirates there. They did. Oh, I'm actually going to be here in an episode soon. I'm going to be going up to Napa to do a, a couple of wine-related uh, episodes from Napa. I'm excited to bring that to you just probably next month you're going to be hearing that. And uh, while I'm up there, I will for sure be visiting Ponches of Yountville. Yountville is right smack dab in the middle of the Napa Valley and not too far away from a uh, famous Michelin three-star restaurant called the French Laundry. Now, getting a reservation there can be a challenge, to say the least, but don't worry, because there's always room for you right down the street at Ponches. Food's not as good. Neither the drinks, the wine, the beer, or the service, none of it is, is nearly as good as the French Laundry. But boy, it's ever a hell of a lot cheaper. <laughs> and the, the ambiance there is a whole different kind of fun. Isaac Shumway former beverage director at Tosca Cafe in San Francisco, told me, a word of warning, no. Do not piss off Rose, the bartender. Apparently Rose is known for having counterintuitive approach to bartender hospitality, one that's roughly summed up by the framed sign in the bar that reads, zero tolerance for idiots. You want to avoid idiots, go to Ponches of Yountville. I mean, I'll be there, but most of the idiots, you want to avoid them. All right. What do we got? We got one more on your bucket list. Seven bars. One more. And this is the one for those of you on the East Coast. It's the Horse You Came In On Saloon. Love that name. Might be the best bar name. The Horse You Came In On Saloon. It's in Baltimore, Maryland. 
the horse is what the locals call it. Uh, it's, it's in the Fells Point area. Baltimore it was established in 1775. It's reported to be the last place that Edgar Allan Poe visited before his mysterious death. We should read about Poe's death, by the way. It is very mysterious. But he died on October 7th, 1849. And the locals say that Poe's ghost still haunts the horse he came in on saloon. According to my friend Tobin Ellis, one of the country's leading hospitality consultants, Vegas' own, Tobin said the horse ticks all the boxes you love about a great old dive. Genuinely friendly bartenders, a ton of whiskey, a worn-in feel with horse saddle bar stools, and live music seven nights a week is what Tobin said about the place. And what I will add is this being Maryland and all, let it be noted, the crab cake is legit. There you have it, folks. I promised you bar banter today on the show, and I gave you bar banter. I hope. I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it. I invite you to check out uh, my Instagram, at the Imbiber. Podcast has one as well, at WWD underscore podcast. I appreciate all the support. Appreciate you listening. Hell, I love you. I really, really love you. And you know what I want to say? Simply, over and over again. Well, Steve Martin, you do it for me. You've been great, really. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming by. Thank you, 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 thank you,